certainly was encouraging to hear the testimonies. God bless you couples for sharing such an encouraging, encouraging time. We are going to continue our study in, in Colossians. Start off with a, a short story. Tuesday afternoon, uh, Mary and Joelle and Megan, they went to uh, Advanced Auto Parts Store down here in Myerstown. In case you're wondering, they had no intentions of shopping. The, the mobile, blood mobile was there, and they went to give blood. Uh, they kindly invited me to go along, and I declined. We don't have to talk about that at the moment. They came back, and after giving blood, they came back, and this is what they came back with. Uh, bright red t-shirts, which I highly doubt you will ever see in public, and tickets to uh, a car show in Harrisburg, which I highly doubt they will attend. So let me uh, clarify this. I am not opposed to giving blood. Neither am I mocking the gifts that they received for giving blood. But I had to think of the difference between the blood that they donated Tuesday afternoon and the blood of Jesus Christ. We think about the blood that he shed and the difference that makes in each heart here, each life here this morning compared to what uh, the difference that their blood will be. However, I do believe that their blood will be used uh, to help someone in need. So we'll get to that a little more on that just shortly, but let's look at Colossians here. We're still in the study. We're still in chapter 1. And the difference, let's look quickly at a few verses, that the difference the blood of Jesus Christ has made in your life and in mine. Colossians 1, look at verse 14. In whom we have redemption, where? Through his blood. What else? The forgiveness of sins. Jump down to verse 20. And having made peace... Where? Through his blood on the cross. So we think of the redemption we have through his blood. We think of the forgiveness that we have. We've gone a long time on that. We think of the peace that he provided. And also, in verse 21, he reconciled us unto the Father. And many times we sing, there is power in the blood. I'm not minimizing the fact the blood that was donated on Tuesday, but I want us to look at the fact that the blood of Jesus Christ made a difference in your life and in mine. The title of the message this morning is The Authority and Power of Jesus Christ. The Authority and Power of Jesus Christ. May I start with a question? Are we giving credit to or are we taking credit away from the authority and the power of Christ? And we think of who he is. And we could, as you're thinking, uh, get, to get your mind started here this morning, who or is Jesus Christ to you? In November, we looked at an introduction here to the book of Colossians. Our theme is complete in Christ. Complete in Christ. We looked at a quote from John Stewart, which he concluded by saying, This is the message of Colossians, a life that's fully integrated into Christ. And integrated has the idea of being combined, united, <coughs> joined, and unified with Christ. So we are complete in him, but I like to look at it this way. We're, we're just joined together with Christ. We are one with Christ. And we also saw how the book of Colossians is going to teach us why we should give our entire life to Christ and more also of, of equal importance, 
what our lives will look like when we do. So we're not going to come along through life uh, prior to meeting Christ and then meet Christ and our life continues on the same road. Things are going to change. Things are going to be different. The question was asked earlier, where will you be in three years from now? And reminding us that the, the, the choices and the decisions that we're making today will determine where we will be in 36 months. In, in uh, verse 2, we saw that every believer is a saint because of their position in Christ. And because of that position that we have in Christ, we are responsible to live holy lives as we go about our daily walk of life. In the second message, we started in uh, middle verse 2 and concluded at verse 10. And there we, we were encouraged to do what? To walk worthy of the Lord. Are we walking worthy of the Lord? It's our talk about our daily conduct and how we live from day, day by day. To walk worthy is to what? Is to bear fruit. To be active and to be intentional about doing all kinds of good deeds. Is that describing you and I? If today were your last day... Would the Lord say, you walk worthy? Were, are we pleasing Him? Do we, are we producing fruit? And are we increasing daily in the knowledge of God? Verse 10 again, that you might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God. Let's jump in at verse 11. And uh, here we see our point to start with is uh, enduring patience. Verse 11, strengthened with all might according to his glorious power unto all patience and longsuffering with joyfulness. Now, this is the, the third point in Paul's prayer as he's praying for the people here at, uh, at the church of Colossae. And here he's focusing on enduring patience. Last time we looked at the first two points of his prayer. One was spiritual wisdom taken from verse 9. And the second one is praying that they would walk worthy taken from verse 10. So I believe we've all heard it before. And uh, we're all aware of it. How God gives us or could we say provides his children with what? Everything that we need in order to live a victorious Christian life. Take a close look at verse 11. Those who immerse themselves into God's wisdom, the wisdom we saw back in verse 9, will be able to press on steadily through the daily grind of life. Yes, sometimes life turns out that way. But when we have that godly wisdom with enduring patience, we can press on through that way. As followers of Christ, we are, as we talked earlier, we're complete in Him. So there's going to be a difference to the way that we endure afflictions versus to the way the people from the world endure afflictions. Here we're called, we will triumph in our difficulties with joy. We're not going to ask you to raise your hand if you accomplish that. But that's where, remember, as we journey through life, we're drawing closer and closer to Christ, and we're trying to become more and more like Him. So we're going to triumph in our journey with joy, knowing that we are empowered by a higher power that is able to see us through. There's no one here this morning that's going through life on their own. No believers going through life on their own. Yes, we are different because of Christ. As some verses that were shared earlier this morning. Joyful living in the midst of, of difficulty is a test for the Christian. And we can pass that test. Why? Because we know God is within us. And we know that he is our source of strength. 
you face difficulties tomorrow, throughout the rest of the week, you know, you know what? God's put me through this for a reason. Not for bitterness, but to make us, to make us better and to help us draw closer to him. I think we're all aware life is not always going to be easy. I am aware that it's easier for some than others. But in one form or another, we will come face to face with difficulty and sorrow. So may our prayer be, along with Paul, that God will help us have patience and be long-suffering. Patience refers to the attitude which uh, bears up under affliction. It refers to it, it refuses to allow certain circumstances to defeat our faith. A patient person is not going to allow a certain uh, situation that comes up. They're not going to give up. But it allows us uh, to press on with endurance and perseveration. Are, are we able to do exactly that? Patience allows a believer to endure without giving up. We need to endure and not give up. So Paul is kindly telling us maybe what we already know. Brothers and sisters, hardships will come. God did not promise a Christian smooth sailing on well-maintained highways. But we are serving a a loving God. And he's not taking us through these trying times to push us away. But rather for us to learn to trust him and to draw closer to him. I think above all else, God wants you to walk right beside him and even yet closer, just following his footsteps. Sure, he's going to give you a trial in life to help you understand who he is. So in verse 11 again, he gives us the strength that's needed and then also the power. So we know we serve an all-powerful God. And plus, we see he provides the patience. So we're able to do what? Suffer long. How? With joy. Strengthen with all might according to the glorious power that we're getting from him unto all patience and long-suffering with joyfulness. Without God, one can't suffer with a smile. But it is possible for the child of God because they are complete and fully integrated into Christ. A verse that ties in well, 1 Corinthians 15.10, By the grace of God, I am what I am. By the grace of God, we are who we are, and his grace was not bestowed upon me in vain. Did anybody ever ask you how you can be who you are? What's the grace of God that is within you? Long-suffering refers to the frame of mind that does not seek to retaliate or get even with those who harm or annoy us. Yeah, we all have these certain certain, uh, times that come into our life. But long-suffering will not allow us to try to get even. The attitude of long-suffering does not allow anger to take over when we're traveling behind someone that's going five under the speed limit or when our neighbor's dog is barking all night long. We are to be long-suffering. Long-suffering is the opposite of the spirit of revenge. Patience is how we deal with circumstances in life. Long-suffering is how we treat people who annoy us with their conduct. Are we patient and are we long-suffering? Lord, give me patience and help me be long-suffering with joyfulness. And it's possible when we receive our strength and wisdom from the Lord Jesus Christ. Second point here is a grateful spirit from verse 12. And here we see the fourth main point of Paul's prayer. Verse 12, giving thanks unto the Father which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. 
You know, the blessing that the child of God had to look forward to, it kind of refers back to the hope which we see in verse 5, for the hope which is laid up for you in heaven. So with a, a grateful spirit, we thank our heavenly Father. Why? Because he qualified us, the King James says, made us meet, to do what? To be partakers with him in heaven. And for that we say, oh, praise the Lord. But we have to remember that we were not always qualified. There was a time when we were lost in sin. There was a time when we were dominated by the evil in the world system. There was a time that we were without Christ. And there was a time that our understanding was darkened. But then we found Christ, or he found us. And because of that, God made us fit, qualified us. And because of Christ's righteousness has been credited to our account. We talk about what Christ has done for us. I started out with the blood of Christ, how it's changed us. But when you think of all that Christ has done for us, it's, it's kind of overwhelming. And we just say, thank you, Lord, for everything that you have done for us. So here we see another reason why we walk worthy and are fruitful in every good work. Because Christ paid our sin debt with his shed blood. Again, there's power in the blood, the authority and the power of Jesus Christ. We, we looked at Paul's prayer here and, um, and the four points. And his prayer was was specific. It's not just a, a general prayer for God's blessing, but he prayed they might be filled with the knowledge of God's will. And I hope that's our prayer this morning. I ask you that question. Do you ever pray that someone will be filled with the knowledge of God's will? He prayed that they might live a life that's pleasing to the Lord. I trust that's our prayer and desire as well. That, we might, that they might grow in godly knowledge as well as in their storage room of patience. Plus, they'd be a long-suffering people with a grateful spirit. Do you see how he's tying all this together? Is, is he, and this prayer can be for us as well. Instead of focusing, focusing on, on uh, his prayer on, on mere physical concerns, such as healing and so on, Paul prayed for uh, growth in, spiritual, in their spiritual lives. His concern was for uh, character building in the lives of those who have became followers of Christ. So Paul's prayer for the church at Colossae and our prayer for the church at Myerstown that each soul here this morning would be what? Complete and fully integrated in Christ. And along with that, verse 10, are we walking worthy of the Lord? Think about it as you go out through your days, out through your weeks, months, and the, well, the new year ahead. As you're walking, am I walking worthy of the Lord? Your interaction with your neighbors, with your co-workers. On the road, there's a number of you here that are on the road a lot. And I sometimes I sit in the passenger seat with some other people are driving. No, nobody here. We need patience and long suffering. <laughs> Won't tell any stories. Anyway, here we go. <clears throat> so we think of what uh, we think of Jesus Christ and what He has done for us, and then our, our heavenly Father. And we looked at verse 12 with the point of grateful spirit. However, verse 12 and 13 give lists of, uh, of gifts given to us by God. So verse 12 and 13 again. Giving thanks unto the Father, which has made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in, in light. Verse 13. Who delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of his, his dear Son. 
This, is, this gets interesting. Okay, we've been qualified, made meet to do what? To, he, we were invited to spend eternity in heaven with the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 13, we were delivered from the power of darkness and also translated into the kingdom of his dear son. So let's look at the first one here, delivered from the power of darkness, uh, which is pointing out the fact, again, I'm going to keep reminding us of where we were. So don't get wrong. I know where we're at today, but at one time, to be delivered from the power of darkness, we had to be there. So at one time, we were without God. We were separated and living a life with, without Christ. That's past tense. We were in danger of spending eternity with God. And the power of darkness is, is a dreadful expression. It speaks of separation from God. It speaks of wickedness and disrespect. So unsaved people live in the territory of darkness, where God's truth is foreign to their nature, foreign to them and their nature, and Satan has blinded their eyes from eternal truth. So when did this happen? Sorry, i got to go back to Genesis. I can tell you the first story. Genesis 6, 5, and 6. And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every imagination or thought of his heart was only evil continually. That's a sad verse. He says, And it repented of the Lord that he made man, and it grieved him in his heart. Sad picture. Genesis 6. There we see darkness described in Genesis, but verse 13 here is telling us that the born-again believer has been delivered from the area of darkness. We have been rescued, we have been liberated, we have been saved, and in this case, from the ignorance and darkness of the world that's around us, which is why we say, thank God for his unspeakable gift. The second thing we see there, first, okay, we've been qualified and delivered. Now what? Translated into the kingdom of his dear son. To translate is to do what? To move from one place or condition to another. To relocate, transfer, move. Do we know God was in the moving business? He translated us. Relocate us from one area to another. So in this case, God uh, gifted us by handling the moving process. God saw our previous spiritual condition. He also saw our desire to grow in him. So we were moved from the power of darkness, away from filth and corruption, moved to where? Into the kingdom of light. Since last night around midnight, we were living in a new year. When we become children of God, we are placed in a new kingdom with a new master. Along with that, we have new goals and new desires. At least that should be our testimony, and it is from what we heard this morning. We're sons and daughters of God, and we're also what? Sharing in his inheritance with his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, as we saw back in verse 12. Who are you? Who am I? 1 Peter 2, 9 and 10. You are a chosen generation. You are a royal priesthood. You're a holy nation. You're a peculiar people. Why? that you should show forth the praises of him who, what? Called you out of darkness, where? Into his marvelous light. And that's a great verse. He doesn't stop there. He says, which in time past were not a people. I'll come back to that in a moment. But now are people of God who have not obtained mercy, who had not obtained mercy, but now have. Peter tells us, before we were translated out of the darkness that we see in verse 13, we were not even considered a people. Who were we? We were servants of Satan. We were serving sin. We were serving an evil master. But now what are we? We're the people of God. And God gifted us with his mercy each and every day. You have been called out for a purpose. 
You were called out of darkness. Why? So you can go on your life on your own? No. You've been called out for a purpose. We know the song well. Called out for a purpose. You're called out to be a servant. Called out to lift a standard. Called out to raise the banner. Called out to be a witness. Called out to show forgiveness. The, the, the verse that we know, uh, the song we know well says, called out from this world, child, you've been called out. You have been called out. And not to go through life on your own in your own selfish manner, but to serve the Lord Jesus Christ and to raise a standard. There's responsibility on, on our shoulders. We have been called to do a lot. And we're empowered with the wisdom that we get from God and with his strength and might that we can go forth and do exactly what he's calling us to do. Are you, am I, are we faithful? May we just say thank you, kind Heavenly Father, for all that, the gifts you have given to us. All those who believe in your Son, Jesus Christ. Verse 13, and translate us into the kingdom of what? So we see the Father doing his work and his work there. And then we see we're translating the kingdom of his dear son. And here we get to verse 13 where we ask the question, what does the name of Je- what does the name Jesus Christ mean to you? Who is he to you? When the name when his name is mentioned, oftentimes sometimes you may hear it mentioned in vain and right, and, you, and I say, "Ouch, that's the master. That's who I'm serving. Don't use his name in vain." But who is Jesus Christ to you? When his name is mentioned, what does that do for you? So as we think about Jesus Christ, we see Paul here launch into the main theme of chapter 1. And here's where we see the rule and the authority and the power of Jesus Christ. Paul places Jesus Christ in his correct position, which is the highest in rank and power, quality, authority, and achievement. Jesus Christ is above all. John tells us in John 3.31... Exactly that. Jesus Christ is above all. Uh, the verse. He that cometh from above is where is above all. He that is of the earth is earthly and speaketh of the earth. He that cometh from heaven is above all. Jesus Christ is who? There is no one that can be compared to him. No one. Is he above all else in your life? So the people, some of the people here in, in Colossae were setting aside the glory and the power and the place of Jesus Christ. So in the next number of verses, Paul clearly points out to you and I who Jesus Christ is. So what we see here is the, battle, the battleground of theology. What about Jesus Christ? Who is he? Should he have preeminence overall? So real quickly, every false religion has a perverted view of Jesus Christ. Every false religion has a perverted view of Jesus Christ. The the Mormons say that Jesus was an ordinary man with strange ideas. To the Mormons, Jesus was born of Adam God and the Virgin Mary. They say Jesus was a polygamist who married Mary and Martha of Bethany. Your Bible does not say that. The wedding of Cain of Galilee with Jesus' own wedding to Mary Magdalene. There we have their view of the Mormons. The Jehovah's Witness reduced Jesus to a creature. Yeah, although the most intelligent being God ever made, but nonetheless, they say he's still a creature, a created being. In some ways, he's like God, but not the same as God. They reduce him to a, the Jehovah's Witness reduce him to a created being. The Muslims say it wasn't Jesus who died on the cross. 
The early followers of Jesus were mistaken. It was really Judas who died, contrary to what the Bible has that you read. The New Age feminists say the death of Jesus, who is called the Son of God on the cross, amounted to the ultimate child abuse. So these, these people are taking the fact of who Jesus is and reducing it to basically so he is, he is nothing. But here Paul is telling us who he is. So that uh, Paul penned these next number of verses to prove to every reader that Jesus Christ is supreme in every way. There has never been any like him before and never will be uh, to come. So false religions need to work diligently, why? To discredit the true facts about Jesus Christ. And I'm studying, I realize there's a number of things the country that we're living in does to do exactly this, to do the exact thing we're talking about. Around Christmas and Easter, they attempt to steer the believer away from the actual facts about Jesus Christ. What does a happy man in a red suit and trees have to do with Christmas? What, does, what do eggs and rabbits have to do with the resurrection of Jesus Christ? And some of us have grown up with this ever since we were this big. But let's not get callous to the fact that this has nothing to do with the real meaning of Christmas and Easter. We have to be so careful uh, that we don't allow these things that are attempted to take our minds away from the real meaning that's centered around Christmas and Easter. And we need to be aware and alert of the deception that's in our day. Why? Lest we lose the upcoming generation to the ways of the world, which is why we teach what we teach. We can't allow this to happen. What's happening in your homes? Are we aware of uh, some of this deception, some of this false teaching that is out there? So I ask again, who is Jesus Christ in your mind? Let's look at some of the phrases, key phrases in in the next number of verses. In verse uh, 14, we see that through Jesus we have what? Redemption. We have also what? Forgiveness of sin. Verse 15 tells us he's the image of God. Also, verse 15, the the firstborn of every being. We see in verse 16, by him all things were created. Verse 17, he is before all things. Verse 18, he's the head of the body. Verse 20, he made peace with his shed blood. Verse 21, he's our reconciler. Verse 22, and unfortunately we'll not get to this this morning, but it's so, let's read that verse. That's a, a beautiful verse. In the body of his flesh, to, flesh through death, to do what? To present you holy and unblameable and unreprovable in his sight. When we just stop and ponder verse 22 of what Jesus has done for us to present us holy in the sight of God, how was that possible? Through his shed blood. And that's just a, a brief list of who Jesus is. He's that plus he is so much more. And no one can be compared to him. Let's look at a few of these. Verse 14, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. Again, speaking about Jesus Christ, we have redemption Excuse me, through his blood. Redemption means to set free by paying a price. So this is some familiar ground here. Jesus paid the price by shedding his blood there on the cross. And I said we're going to talk about what we were, and here we go again. We were a sinful people, and our sin debt needed to be paid in order to restore a right relationship with God. Hebrews 9.22, and almost all things are by the law purged with blood, and without the shedding of blood is no remission. 
So blood needed to be shed to pay for our sins. And Jesus offered his life to pay our sin debt to free us from the slavery to Satan. So Jesus died in our place. He paid the debt we could not pay. Now what? We owe him our all, which is why we walk worthy of the Lord, as we saw in verse 10, which is why we sing with meaning. My hope is built on what? Nothing less than what? Jesus' blood and his righteousness. Sometimes we sing songs, we forget what we're singing. Maybe not always, but just here we see it pointed out. My hope is built on nothing less than what? Yeah, thank you, Jesus, for shedding your blood. So he gave us his all. So what's our response? In return, we're going to show our gratitude and our appreciation by giving our all back to him. And along with that, daily, just thank the Lord for paying the price for setting me free. We have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. A few verses that support verse 14 in Matthew 26, 28. This is Jesus speaking. This is my blood of the new covenant which is shed for you for the remission of sins. 1 Peter 18. Uh, you are not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold. That's not where we found our redemption, but with what? The precious blood of Jesus Christ. 1 John 1. God is light and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Back to the beginning what we started at. The blood of Jesus Christ. We also see in verse 14 the forgiveness of sins. And maybe we could tie that forgiveness and redemption together. But forgiveness is far too uh, a precious word to tie in with another. Hebrews 10, 17. And your sins and iniquities will I remember no more. Thinking about forgiveness. Did you ever, I have, that's why I'm asking you the question, did you ever do or say something that you later regretted? Don't raise your hand, but think about it. I'd have all my hands up. Did you ever do or say something you later regretted? And even after you asked God for forgiveness, did you ever struggle a bit, because I have, wishing you for, could forget that it ever happened? And I have. So, as as great a God that we serve, and he's all-powerful, and he, he's all-knowing. And the, the Bible tells us that when we confess our sins, when we place them at the foot of the cross and cover them with the blood of Jesus Christ, he's not only going to, he's not only going to forgive us, he's going to forget our sin. He's going to forgive and forget. So that blessing is there, but the, re, the responsibility rests on our shoulders. Uh, if you confess, John, 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, what happens? He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The blessings is there. The responsibility is ours. So when we think of that, the forgive and forget, it, it never was and never will be worth it to live with unconfessed sin in your life. Never was and never will be. If there's unconfessed sin in your life this morning, God's there just ready and waiting for you to confess, then he will take care of the rest. And I repeat, he's not, he, he forgives, which sets our conscience free, but he forgets. And sometimes it's harder for me to forget than for him to forget. Don't live with unconfessed sin in your life. Take care of it. God says, I'm here. I'll gladly wipe it away. And your sins and iniquities will I remember no more. Christians who do not regularly confess their sins weaken their fellowship with God. And their relationship with Him becomes distant and strained. 
Do not live with unconfessed sin in your life. Now, the Bible is not teaching that, oh well, we can freely sin and continue to sin due to the awesome forgiveness we can get from God. That's not what it's teaching. However, if and when we do fail, we are blessed with a forgiving God when we go to Him and confess our wrong. Do not live with unconfessed sin in your life. Salvation is not a uh, do the best you can sort of thing. That's not where we're at. It's not, salvation is not a cheap exchange in which for our own goodness we ask God to forgive our wickedness. No, that's, we're not saved by, by works. We're saved by grace through faith. Salvation is divine deliverance accomplished through what? We're coming back to it. The blood of Jesus Christ. There is power in the blood. Jesus didn't shed that blood for no reason back in the day. He shed that for you and for me. There is power in the blood. Salvation is a divine deliverance accomplished through the power of the blood. So Christ's relation to redemption then is this. He, he bought us from our freedom to slavery of sin with his own blood and forgave us our sins. Then he canceled every sin debt that we had so Satan could find nothing in our files that he could accuse us with. So if he comes to you tomorrow and says, brother or sister, what about that time back there, way, way, way back? Say, no, 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 no. You can't go back there. That's been taken care of. He forgave my sin. He cleansed that. He, he cleansed that. You can't go back to that sin. It's no longer there because your heavenly father forgave it and also forgot it. So Satan can't accuse us because it's all under the blood and taken care of. This morning, I hope and trust you're grateful for the authority and the power of Jesus Christ. I trust you're thankful for his shed blood. Brothers and sisters, may we place him on the correct place in our life. May we serve him faithfully. May we remember who he is and all that he has done for us. And may you leave this building this morning just saying, thank you, Jesus. I thank you. Let's pray. Lord, we come before you this morning with grateful, thankful hearts. Lord, so blessed for all you have done for us. So thankful for your shed blood. So thankful that you, for your forgiveness and also that you had promised you will forget. Lord, may we take John 1, 9 to heart and confess and allow you to do the rest. I just pray, God, that we could walk worthy of you. We could live lives that are pleasing to you. Lord, we could be producing fruit and we could be the remember why we have been called out of darkness and we can lift that standard and the banner and be a witness and forgive others and show others the way to you. Thank you, Lord, for your shed blood. Thank you for all that you have done. Bless each heart and each soul here this morning. As we leave here this morning, may we leave with a new spring in our step just to walk worthy of you with grateful, thankful hearts. In your name we pray. Amen. Joel, we have a song, please.